0: In a world of downloadable and streaming singles, our hope with this podcast is to look a little deeper into what influences musicians and see the impact an album, as opposed to a single, can have on an artist's work. This is The Sound Effect. So, Dave, can we begin by blaming this on Torquil Campbell, or should we be blaming it on no, Ian Blurton?
1: It's all on Ian Blurton on this one.
0: <laughs> Tor so, uh, kept
1: it to two. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so Any? we have, yeah. So we have here this week. I guess indie rock Canadian legends. Maybe our rule has slipped to be uh, that they get to pick multiple albums. Uh, I felt bad when we were pre scheduling uh jose gutteras of by divine right for this episode because he really with every email had more and more and more records to he wanted to talk about but i managed to get him down to four yeah
1: so really it's our fault <laughs> it is
0: it's, our fault
1: we're procrastinators and busy <laughs> we're yes busy procrastinators
0: and also we keep going to people who love music
1: yes that's which is like
0: so they can't So, they, you know, I think it's hard, right? And the amount of times I hear this from people who we try and book and they say, I don't know if I can pick one album. Or, you know, I think music fans, you know, are influenced by a lot of sounds. I think you're going to get that today from our interview with By Divine Rights, Jose Gonzalez. So, but we are
1: cutting it off after this, people. One album. (laughs) That's it. One album.
0: Okay. Listening, Geddy Lee, you only get to pick one. Okay. So, um, the four albums we're looking at today all vary, all really vary. We've got "Tonight's the Night" by Neil Young, "Ultra Violence" by Lana Del Rey, "Black Messiah" by Di- D'Angelo, and "Radioactivity" by Kraftwerk. So, four very distinct and very different records.
1: Okay, so instead of us talking, let's get right to Jose. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jose Contreras. Has been making music as by by Divine Right since 1989. In that time, by Divine Right has consisted of about 24 different members. It's like, yeah, the Black Sabbath of Canadian indie rock, right? It really is. Or King Crimson, I might add. Yeah, that's true. And has brought fans 11 albums of joyful pop rock masterpieces. And this is not including the tribute record, I Want Light, that included the Elwins, the Golden Dogs, the Arkells, and Sam Roberts. All hopefully future guests on the show someday.
0: Well, at least one of them. Yeah, at least one of them. One of them.
1: Sure. Hint, hint. <laughs> by Divine Rights' newest record, a double LP, not just a single, a double. Automoto is out September 30th. We are happy to be joined by the man himself, Jose Contreras. Welcome, sir.
2: Hey, awesome. Hey
0: guys. Hello. Tell us about this new record. It's a double LP.
2: It is. It's a, It's not quite a double peak. Cheers, guys. Cheers. I don't. I don't really drink that much, but my girlfriend brought this beer home from Germany, and I was like, "Fine, oh, let's God. do it." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a party for me right here.
1: So. <laughs> well, it is Monday night, so.
0: That's right.
2: But the other, well, I mean, I'm a musician. Monday night. So. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is like Sunday. That's right. It was so uh, new
0: record. What What, I, what are we getting?
2: Auto Motto, you know, I, I, um, you guys haven't heard it?
0: I have heard some of it, yeah. Just
1: the singles that have been released yet.
2: Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, I wrote a, a little bio that I'm not sure got out yet. And, um, and I can, um, you know, we were on a roll. Uh, the BDR was on a roll in 2014, 2015, 2016, I'd say is probably the best run that i'd had yet and uh which is disorienting because i was like 45 or something you know i was like and my band finally became stable which is also disorienting because you figure your band is stable when you're 20 (laughs) right but instead it happened when i was in my 40s and um i'm in my 50s now right like i'm old now and um and uh it just seemed like we could do no wrong for like a few years there the band was just killing it the three of us were like this humble little fuzz machine and anywhere we played would be really great and it just felt like all of a sudden i felt unstoppable and then i don't know what the fuck happened shit got weird and um and it took us a long time to make this record and uh The original idea was to make this record and it was going to be called Automonopia. The sound, like the sound of what it is, the sound of us, the thing that we do, the the thing that the three of us with Jordy and Lish that we stumbled across, or I stumbled across, because I had really great bands before. Some of them you know.
0: You've had had a couple of good musicians in your band over the years. I mean, last I counted 24 members, about 24 members.
2: and but some of the lineups have been pretty excellent. Even the one right before this recent one when I moved up to the woods. But like something happened with the chemistry of me and Jordy and Lish that I wasn't expecting. In fact, maybe I didn't even believe in fucking chemistry. I actually kinda like liked having different band members because it allowed me to control always like be able to mold it back into what it was supposed to be. And then it would get out of on tour things would happen and it would be cool, but then I'd mold it back. But with the three of us, it just felt really great. And then, but uh, somehow we all had our personal problems and troubles, which happens. And and you know, if you're trying to maintain a relationship, then it's a lot easier to just ditch any relationship and start another one. And I've had a bad habit of that in my life, and um, so I really wanted to make it work. But it it took a lot. It took a few years of personal work to make it. Us come back together again. So this r- original idea, automanopia, turned into automoto, automanopia, and then automato. and uh, in in the sense that it was like a sort of like a, a mutation of the original concept. I mean, uh, when we went in to m- make a record in 2016, I would have sung the songs live. Like uh, we were really on a roll. Like I don't know, you guys make records, I'm sure. So. How often do you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do all my vocals live, no problem. Right? That's where I was at. You know, by the time we finally go make the record a few years later, it had changed. And it was like we're barely hanging on now. Instead of going to a studio or doing this, we just made it in my garage, uh, which is where I'm at now. Where oh, I am now, the, the the BDR Central at our studios oh, in here. Nice. That's a good setup, know. man. Yeah, that's a great yeah, setup. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good, yeah. I make lots of records here. I mix lots of records here for people. And uh, so it was great. And we brought it back down. Auto motto sort of like auto. It's in a way like uh, automatic uh, philosophy, like a motto. You know what I mean? Like an automatic, like a true to yourself uh, sort of personal philosophy. And then there's also like in Chile. I'm Chilean, right? I was born in Chile. And there's a lot of – in Chile, they make a lot of – jokes about a guy named Don Otto, like Mr. Otto, who's like a German guy. Uh, So instead of like Newfie jokes, you have like uh, uh, Don Otto jokes. And so like the Otto part of it is sort of like the obvious tip of the hat to to Krautrock, you know, and so it's kind of like automoto. That's what it sort of is like this like automatic philosophy. And we are really who we are, like of all the BDR records, this one's like everyone's playing their own instruments. The songs were written with the idea that they're natural for all of us to play. I didn't have to like push my band to do or not do the way I often have in the past. And then also, it's a bit of a tip of the hat to the Krautrock thing, which is the Auto side and the sort of Chilean joke about Donato.
1: So there's some, so, so there's good. somewhere somewhere in Chile when this is released someone's gonna like be laughing their ass off i hope oh so. my god <laughs> that's Otto, so amazing
2: <laughs> well they get the auto joke like uh he, Otto's sort of like uh, the classic gringo who's like hearts in the right place and just does lots of makes lots of mistakes you know <laughs>
0: Steven, you're talking about the title of the album. There's so much there. And it's funny, uh, we often have the that, when I send that first email out to someone and say, uh, so which album do you want? We often get the reaction that you gave us, which was, uh, here's, a, here's a list of stuff I was listening to. And then I always have to come back with, all right, well, let's come up with maybe one or two. You have always been a musician who has embraced a whole pile of music, a whole pile of styles and music that you've liked and music you've obviously cared about. Um, and you, today, we actually were able to slim it down to about four records here. Um, Only four. When I asked you what it was about those records, you said they stuck to their vision. And, uh, you know, Neo Young and Lana Del Rey, uh, the labels weren't interested. D'Angelo does this 15 years later and Kraftwerk choose to work on their own vision. Those are four very distinct and different (laughs) influences, along with the list that you gave me, which is also very, very distinct and different. How does all of these influences come at you with a sound that, even when I listen to this record, as much as it, you know, um, is different in elements and the production maybe sounds different, it's still at its heart and at its core a by divine right album
2: hundred percent yeah
0: yeah so it's how so is weird. it yeah how is it that you as a as the writer uh, uh of this music is able to bring all of that in and come up with a sound that is still at its core very by divine right
2: i mean you know i it's so weird. Like, why would I make more By Divine Right music? And there's just something um, about uh, that. I keep the reason there's more By Divine Right records is that I keep, new By Divine Right music keeps happening. And uh, and it's not like I'm 100 percent going out fishing for it. The, I have the ideas and the ideas are there. And it's funny how you just keep taking a different path to get home. And often I do that, you know, and when I produce other artists, it's uh, we have the same conversation or like you you work so hard at to grow and change and explore new ideas and new processes and at the end when you finish you're like i just made another record of, that sounds like me right which is i guess how you find it you know uh um and uh you know when you were when you asked me to whittle that list down one of the things that really struck with struck me and it was good i'm glad you asked me to do that because it, i was thinking a lot about I had to write some blurbs about the BDR record. And, um, and, uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me is that the new by divine right records in black and white, it's a black and white record for lots of reasons. And, and, uh, it's kind of stubborn in the sense that we never, ever, ever thought about singles. We, none of it's done to a click track. There was no plan with any of it. Um, I It never, you know, uh, and so those records kind of like, you know, like we made videos and I never made a video. The video for Weeping Man, it wasn't because I was like, oh, the Weeping Man, that should be a single. It was just because we had a cool, I had a cool idea for the video. So we made a video for that song. The same thing with number 87. That number 87 wasn't going to be a single necessarily. There are no singles on the record. It wasn't recorded that way. Everything's like 13 reps in the intro and then long extended things, you know. So uh, it was just sort of like trying to stick to our guns. And in a way, it's kind of how we survived the roughness. Because, you know, like a few years ago, there was suddenly a lot of talk Uh, not too much, but like around me of like, well, I could just make a superstar record with a few of my friends. Everyone would be gung ho. Uh, It would be a cool record. My band had kind of fallen apart like me, Lish and Jordy. And then, but that idea made me really sad. I wanted us to make a record. I wanted us to make this record together. So I'm glad we did, but there is no budget to have color. It's black and white. You know what I mean? And also it's very like monotone, as different as the record has lots of different sides to it and it is a by divine right record but it feels black and white and in a way like those when you had me reduce those list of records those four stuck out to me a little bit because of because of that you know like uh, you know neil makes uh tonight's the night after harvest and after uh whatever the live album after harvest that he put out was uh, time fades away such a great record which was, you know, out of print for a few decades. And then the label doesn't want to put that record out. It's like, this is the wrong record. You're a superstar. We can't put out tonight's tonight. Of course, when you look at his catalog now, that's one of the prestige records in his catalog. And uh, same with Lana Del Rey had just had like a huge hit. She makes that record and her label's like, this is a, this is a terrible record. You can't make this record. We're not releasing it. And, uh, You know, called in Adele's producer to be like, listen to this record. What's wrong with it? Something, you know, Adele's producer listens to it and is like, this record's amazing. You guys should put it out. They delay it for however many months it comes out. It's a number one record. I tell that people all the time. It doesn't matter whether you're a huge star or you're little. No one's going to get what you're working on. And in fact, people are going to tell you you're working on, you lost it and it's garbage and you can be a number one artist and the people in your team are going to not trust you. They're not, you know what I mean? And you just got to stick with your guns. And, and in the end, she puts out that record and uh, you know, uh, and it's a, I, I love that record. Probably more now than I even did five years ago, you know? And uh, so the black and white aspect of that, when you, when you prompted me to, um to think it through, it helped, you know, like the, and like the, the D'Angelo record too, which is like, strike when the hammer's hot here we were on a roll and you know for to be like in your mid 40s have like 20 years after you lost your your you had your big break it's not a smart time to be in a rock band you know it's like some people might be like hey time to move on i could be producing records and taking it easy and uh but something about it wanted me to make a record and I could have stayed on a roll, but we didn't like because it just wasn't feeling right. So anyway, so that's out the story of how we finally when we finally made Automoto, it wanted I wanted it to be like. And it had to be about the three of us and it and it's kind of like all of us were kind of like really bummed out and in trouble a little bit when we went in to make this record right before the pandemic when we tracked the bed tracks and we went in there like broken people. And we came out empowered. Like, it's wild. Like, I joked about it. It's like, this record's going to save our lives. And then, literally, I look at my bandmates after, and the record gave them the power and the strength to, like, really, like, enter the next chapter of their lives. Like, you know, Jordy Dines played the drums on this record. And he's like, man, like, I feel, like, strong and confident. I'm myself again now. And he goes back to Newfoundland. Now he plays in like tons of bands and he's just like, you know, like we all needed it. I needed it. It it cemented Lish and I's working relationship together, like as guitar bass is an really important, you know, like to do it for real. Like I've had so many side guys who are great to work with and would work for me, but it's very different to really get into a committed relationship. Uh with a bass player and and uh and now we're like tighter than ever we jammed today you know like things are tied tied together you know
1: i love so, yeah. uh, the fact you brought up that these were all the, they had to fight for these albums right uh yeah the exactly. artists and rock and roll music in general is just littered with stories like that yankee we always bring up yankee hotel foxtrot Uh, Yeah, Tom, and as something like that had to be fought for. And, and, you know, know, just that's the one. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I mean, you're so right. And that's
2: the one that'll sell the legacy of of, uh, Wilco, right? Right, right.
1: And, you know, look at Lana Del Rey, you know, bringing this up. Like her rise in popularity was tumultuous, too. And and you're always going to get that, especially women. We'll always have this, uh, this isn't what we're asking, we're, we were looking for. You know, go back and do it again. And, of course, they needed someone else to tell them, no, this this is brilliant. Like, this you, is brilliant. Should re- yeah. you should release it.
2: The Lana Del Rey one's really wild because we're not talking about a middle-aged guy or like, uh, you know, Wilco. We're talking about, like, uh, the one of the biggest pop stars in the world, right? Yep. Working with the guy from the Black Keys as the producer. And they're both like, "This record's amazing, put it out." And the label's like, "No, it's all wrong. You guys don't know anything." And
0: yeah, then it's it, a
2: number one album. Yeah,
0: yeah, it and critically, like-, and like critically and success, like uh, commercial success, right? Like it was the double, it was the big double, right? That you're looking for as a as a as a musician, right? Yeah. Uh, and and again, like I, I think of when I was listening to that album. I brought I was brought back to we we had uh, Abigail Lapelle on this year and she picked the Nico, Nico Case album and I was listening to that Lana del Rey going, Wow, like it's it's much like a Nico Case album, really cinematic and it's yeah. slow. Um Hypnotic. You know, we, we Hypnotic kept talking about we used, huh? yeah. Well we yeah, kept talking about the Nico area. Case, the Nico Case interview, we kept talking about it being like a, a film soundtrack. Ultraviolet sounds like a film soundtrack. I mean, uh, from the tempo doesn't change. It's there that entire time. Um, I mean, I can kind of understand why a record company in 2014 would have been like, uh, no. Like, I can kind of get where they were coming from. I mean, I love it. But I can completely get where they were like, where is the hit? Where is the the one? Where's our investment? yeah where's our investment right same
2: with uh same with tonight's tonight right like it's like where's heart of gold you can't do this right but it but, makes
1: you it makes you want to go like in 75 like what what history are you basing your decision not to release this album on like rock and roll is barely 20 years old and what what meals
0: blood, you're also in this being made right after blood on the tracks which is Yeah, you know i mean i think there's some it's another tumultuous record, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And 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 now Neils being told, well, you had a hit ra- record, why can't you just do another one of those? It's just like, well, how do you know this won't work? You know, like you have no idea. And it just it just to me I always thought the 60s and 70s were more
0: free. Like, yeah,
1: here's the album. Damn right we'll it's release that. Like that.
0: <laughs> but we, but we're talking there about Lana Del Rey having that tumultuous uh experience. Neil Young had that too, right? Where right. it was like uh, you're going to be a guitar player in a soul band and go to Motown and learn how to dance. Okay, that didn't work for you. Now you're going to be in Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, uh, yeah. The record company doesn't want you to sing, uh, so stop singing that song. Uh, I don't if you remember you... also the
2: image they made for him in Buffalo Springfield. Right? Oh, yeah.
0: that's right. Yeah,
2: you're, like, you're the Indian in the band. Right? Yeah,
0: like, that's which, right. That's right. right? <laughs> so America, that's Canada. like quoting history, right? Yeah, or that's right. Exactly. And then, so they, I mean, so. It, it's always this seems to be this struggle between the person just wanting to be, hey, this is what I want to do, and you know, whether we want to throw around a word that we seem to throw around every second episode last year, authentic, but it is who you are. Surely where you're at now in your career, Jose, is there a freedom in being, you brought up at the start, uh, about being an older guy playing music now where you don't no, you, you don't have to give a shit about any of that. Like you can be I love completely and li- utterly free.
2: I I like pleasing people, myself, most of <laughs> all. But uh I agree. I mean, yeah, and yeah, you're right. And that's one of the things that was hard when you were like, What record would I influence? Is honestly no records influenced it. Like I'm not trying to sound like anything. I'm trying to get into the heart of what it is that I want to do, you know, and, and I know that when I play uh Jordi, is just the perfect sympathetic drummer like he's not a rock drummer he's not like a hot rock drummer he's like a skiffle drummer you know like he's like he like when charlie Watts died, i was like well at least i still got geordie you know like (laughs) he he can't play anything unless he feels like it so he'll be like like he'll tap like totally non-committally Like and freak people out because they're like, why isn't he playing along? (laughs) (laughs) And he does not play along. Yeah,
1: he's waiting for his moment.
2: When he's playing, it's because it's real, you know. So like, in that sense, yeah, like that is kind of liberating, and it's kind of maybe a bit arrogant, but I did hit that spot like in 2014, 2015, 2016, where it seemed like I'd never been so clear, and the shows were just going so well, whether it was with the band or solo. Like, things were going – so I just – that made made me feel pretty confident. And also, to a certain extent, it's like, well, now it's just like my, I have a little plot of land, like, this big, you know? So mm-hmm. as long as I till it really carefully, I'm always going to grow something cool there, you know? I don't have, like, giant fields that I'm working in. It's just my little garden, right? And so yeah. in the little garden, I feel confident that, like, short of too many catastrophes, I can I can grow – Nice things, you know.
0: Whereas I think back to like you in the mid nineties, um and the late nineties when uh I started to tap into by Divine Right and I remember at one point and uh I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass here or anything, Jose, but I remember at one point seeing you at the Rivoli walk into the Rivoli uh uh, when I'd done the Change of Heart he, tribute. He lo- Jose,
1: he <laughs> loves telling this story, by the way.
0: And you were, honest <laughs> to God, like the coolest guy. And I was like, that guy's got the world on a yo-yo, right? He's got the world on a string right now. He is like the coolest guy in Toronto. And there was like, you were on the precipice of this, like, people, and all around you, the 90s music scene was kind of exploding. And you were releasing these big albums that were getting attention and now to hear you talk about it it's like man there's there was that sort of idea of kind of chasing something right when you're younger where you're like i gotta yeah. I gotta be chasing what the next thing is or where not that i'm saying the music and them wouldn't have been authentic but you're okay what's what's people doing who can i do the best with what as opposed to hey this just guy i really like to play with
2: yeah i mean y- you know I, that I remember that change Your heart tribute, and I that was definitely a moment. And it was also like five minutes before a lot of people became actually famous in Toronto. Yeah, not the sort of like famous in everyone's minds.
0: Right, right.
2: Like famous. Yeah. <laughs> like never gonna cut my hair, famous. <laughs> right. Come from one of my uh, an unreleased tune. But, uh, anyways, uh, but. Uh, like uh yeah and i that it was a good moment i loved working on that change of heart tribute and um you know i was trying to please a lot of people back then myself included but like you know i had all these people dreaming on me whether it was like you know at one point my long-standing bdr drummer mark goldstein who was very without him maybe nothing would have happened because he was so determined to get everyone to find out that we were the coolest that was his fucking mission you know, he was like, we need management. We need a label. We need to do, you know, all this stuff. And then I had management who were like, you're the greatest artist. Yeah, and then the label's like, dah, dah, dah. and then like the uh, press and this and So like, yeah, there was a bit of that trying to do it right for everyone. Right. And uh, obviously I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up. That, that sucked after a while. It felt terrible.
0: Yeah. And now, but now you're at a point now where.
2: Now I feel really like, like, I feel great. Like I, I, uh, at some point I figured out that if I like it, it's good. And I don't have to worry about too much, but that also pay, uh, you know, uh, like the cost of that was stepping away from management, stepping away from labels. stepping I haven't had a booking agent, a real agent in like 20 years. Uh, and, uh, and now, you know, when we finished Automoto a year ago, I put a post just saying, Hey, like. We have a record. Should it be a double or a single or what should we do with it? And that's how Fortune, Sp- Fortune Stellar Records contacted us, Andrew and Shiloh. And we're like, we love you. Could we hear the record? We will put it out. And then they heard the record and they were like, oh, they were like, you know, they I'm pretty skittish, right? And uh, and uh, they wrote me the, the nicest fucking emails for like five months. Before Who I was you? like, yeah, but it was you know, quite, there weren't too many, there weren't as many like free uh, dinners as in the nineties. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, they were just sincerely talking about it, getting into it, you know, and then and then and, and you know, dipping into the last few records and realizing, oh, this is part of this thing that's been happening with Lish and Geordie and that like it feels like some fans know about, but and maybe a little bit of press, but in, in general, there's a lot of people I know who are like you're great man and have not seen me play in 20 years which is totally cool i just i haven't seen yola tango play since 97 still my favorite band <laughs> but anyway uh 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 and uh so when they tapped into like they when fortune stellar tapped into the record it was pretty cool and then when they finally came along wanting to put it out it was pretty amazing you know like i feel like um i, I and i love the record uh we all really do uh but uh moving into the new then the next bdr record it's it's a lot more concise i'm excited to make something very concise like a like truffles
0: <laughs> 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 okay you brought up that there's a sort of german thing with auto in the title yeah um and you picked Craftwork, which I would say yes. of all the records that you sent me, that was probably one of the ones that stood out the most. Because never once in my entire life have I ever heard one single song or blip of a song by BDR and went, Yeah, the craftwork really is coming through there. <laughs> <laughs> never once. So, where does wh- what is it about craftwork? And again, like you had mentioned in the email, you didn't pick, you know, Autobot. You, you pick radioactivity. Where does that play into, you know, your vision of music?
2: I love Kraftwerk so much. Like, to me, Kraftwerk are, like, the, the second Beatles, you know what I mean? Like, uh, in the sense that, uh, uh, or, like, Pink Floyd, like, this band that had, like, this, like, run of perfect records. Actually, they're very much like Pink Floyd, like, three songs on each side. Uh, these like four concept records in a row, that are all very kind of almost the same record with a different cover and a different concept. And uh, uh, and uh, the early, this century, the beginning of the century for me really belonged to like um, Kraftwerk and uh, Simon and Garfunkel and uh, Inu Morricone. I couldn't even just stop there. Like, and if you look at a lot of the music I made in the last 20 years, like some somewhere in there. Um, how did, how did, uh, to answer your question, I I just love Kraftwerk so much. It's my favorite shit. In fact, my my girlfriend just got back from Germany today. It's kind of why I forgot about this for a little bit. <laughs> um, I just hadn't come back out to the studio yet. And, uh. And uh, she's like, what well, can I get you in Germany? I'm like, get me the German version of, uh, um, of Man Machine. And, uh, and sure enough, she did. She brought me the German version of Mensch Machine. And it's so cool because it's all sung in German. The mixes are slightly different. Uh, and uh, so Autobahn was a bit of a surprise hit for Kraftwerk, right? It's their fourth record. And the third one's Ralph and Florian, which is out of print. Which I love at Roth and Foreign. you can find it. You can find it online. It's such a cool record. It's so, it's so awesome. Autobahn becomes a hit, and then uh, their follow-up was, uh, yeah, Radioactivity, which I just love. I just love that record. I don't know if I'm answering your question. I'm just rambling. Well, <gasps> and you and you
1: you brought it up to us because this this again uh, was them fighting for this record, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Well. Uh, You know, to me, it was everything early. Technology was developed. Everyone was getting excited about technology in the early 70s, right? So when this band comes up and and this is an electronic band, well, yeah, of course it's going to hit, you know. And it's, but it was a surprise. And so, but then the machine kicks in, right? It was like, okay, we need another Autobahn. Right. And
2: people
1: think, I
2: can't tell. People
1: who don't know about Kraftwerk, they just
2: think Autobahn's a joke still uh I had a good friend of mine who was like oh what record you guys said it got Autobahn they're like Von 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 They thought it's like a novelty <laughs> record right um which uh you know to me it's like the beach it's so good it's like the Beach Boys it, you know I don't know if you guys have noticed that Autobahn is basically uh good vibrations uh no i have, I have not <laughs> all listen, right you know, it's that's good. what i'll be
0: listening to tonight <laughs> it's,
2: it's it's good vibrations they, they they figured it out except they're instead of making it the length of a single they made it the size the length of the side of the lp and it's just like um how many different variations of "Fon Fon Fon" on the autobahn can you come up with right and it's just like uh Gotta keep those loving good. But that part's in there. And that's also like when it kicks back in. and It's like, well, actually, what song is that? It's uh, both... That's
0: good vibrations. Yeah. But, but again, I think the, the cool thing to go back to your original argument, though. I mean, I, I, again, we, and Dave and I talk about this quite often. The idea of the record just to be in a room when a record company is sitting down with a band saying, we want to release a concept album built around radio sounds and frequencies. And that record company going, you literally just had a hit, the most <laughs> unlikely hit ever. And now you want to put in a concept album around radio activity? Like that just yeah. must have blown their mind, right? So the, the so to be character. in that room, right? Now yeah. you talked about you talked about the, the guts of being able to also turn down
2: david
0: bowie yeah Do you I talk didn't... about that
2: yeah well i just think i mean at the time uh you know bowie want loved krautrock and like uh, right before he got in with eno they both did and uh yeah and, and approached crafford to work with them and they were like no we're too busy with our experiments uh <laughs> cause they set up the studio clang clang and uh and, uh, and they turned him down. And I don't know if you know that part in uh, the next one. They, two records later in Trans, uh, Trans Europe Express where they, they talk about meet David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Oh Right,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: My favorite story, my favorite Kraftwerk Iggy Pop story is when uh, Iggy went to visit Florian Schneider. And, uh, and Florian was like, um, oh, you know what, uh, let's go to the market because asparagus is in season and they went and bought some asparagus, and then went home and made some asparagus. Uh, that's
1: like, that's... Normal. That's just normal <laughs> that's things people my do. <laughs> <story>. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love asparagus. And Iggy, uh, Iggy's probably
0: thinking, well, is that code? Asparagus yeah.
2: is code? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they were all pretty nice, like, hardworking people. Like, when I think of those... When I think of Iggy Pop, it's like a hard-working person. I mean, he oh, obviously yeah, absolutely. Had serious drug problems, but like, You have to work hard. Making a record takes forever. Writing a record takes forever. Even when you write the songs in five minutes, it still takes a long time to make it, to do it and get people together and record it and mix it and master it and put it in the right order. You know, the end of this record was really handy because it was too long to be a record and and we tried to make it into a single record and it just wasn't working. Do you guys know Matt Charlton from uh, Pigeon Row? No. Uh, he's just a legendary East Coast guy. Uh, he's a musician, and he's also a filmmaker, and he does publicity for a lot of people. He was involved in Sappy Fest, and he probably does a lot of work for lots of cool East Coast people, and you've changed records and, and stuff like that. And in recent times, he w- does a lot of work for CBC television and stuff uh, with, his, with his public relations company pigeon row but in the end i sent him the record and he was the guy that put it in order he was like no this record is amazing and you don't have to chop any of it down and here's the sequence and he figured it out and he put stuff like on the beginning of the record that we were going to cut off the record which i was interested right away he put songs at the end that i'd never imagined and the weird thing is that now that we played five shows this year we did a little mini tour and we played the record from beginning to end in matt's order but it tells a story and kind of not really but it at least has like sort of like a voyage even peaks out at the end it's amazing it's been i had to call him and be like you're not even aware that we've played these amazing shows and the reason they've been so great is because you made the set list like we're following your song orders and so even though he's not in the band it's like it's kind of a community when the
1: community comes together in a certain way is when it really works out the best. Our younger listeners might be like, "What do you mean sequence? Don't is it how many <laughs> how, how many songs are on the, what an album? That's crazy, but that's a lost art. It's, in, in it's these true. Days, these days, and, like uh, a lot of a lot of bands don't even think about it. You know, so a lot of bands do, but that used to be a big deal. It's like, okay, what's your opener? That's that's your statement, right? That's that's your fir- your first song on the yeah. album. And uh, like on the last PDR record, uh, Organized Accidents
2: from 2013, the first song was recorded as the first song. It's like, this is the first song for the record. So I knew that. But in general, I usually have no idea what the hell I'm going to do. And I require other people to sequence. I need good A&R. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I like working with people.
0: Well, you you talked about that. And that actually, I was thinking about this a minute ago when you were talking about community and you just said they're working with people. Yeah. All the records you picked here, you've got three solo artists, Landon Del Rey, uh, Neo Young, D'Angelo. Uh, and then you have Kraftwerk, who, although a band, there were two guys in the band who were really the kind of vision of the band, the producers, etc. cetera. Um, By Divine Right, you've had, as I said, about 24 people play with you over the years, but it's always been at its core, Jose.
3: Mm-hmm
0: how much it's interesting how I think in each of those cases we see an individual, but you talked about with Lenny Del Rey, you have that, that this is a Dan Arbeck record like when you're listening to it, right? Like it's his stamp is there. Neil Young's, uh, the backup band on this record is stunning. Yeah. Uh, like it's just, a, it's just an amazing I mean, really you've got Neil's Lofgren on yeah. it pl- playing, uh, playing guitar. And then you have, um, craft work kind of bringing in um, more uh, keyboards and allowing the other guys in the band to have a little more kind of control over stuff. Um, it really is intriguing. And D'Angelo, of course, brings in the Soul, soul Aquarians with with uh, Questlove and, and Pino Palladino. Yeah. It, it's interesting that we think of these artists as very kind of individuals, much like you, but talk to us here about, a little bit about the importance of that community to make a record collaboration and to make, and to make this record.
2: You know, I haven't always been really good at, at at that aspect of it. You know, I think that like uh, when I got confused about what I should be doing and how I should be doing things, I I just pulled back into myself Uh, or, and maybe when I realized that if I didn't have 20 grand, I wouldn't be able to make a record the way that like I thought we should. So I just started making kind of shitty records myself at home that I thought were good. Uh, and uh, and so, again, that's one of the things I didn't – I wanted to learn from. I want to grow. I want to change. And I wanted to make a record as a band. I loved my new lineup, and I didn't want to make the same mistake as I had before. It's just sort of like if things got difficult, just shake it off and make another record, you know, because I could play everything myself, or I could call some of my friends to be on it. And so there's just um, – a certain kind of magic that you don't get unless you collaborate. And then, you know, um, and that's sort of what I wanted to tap into, you know, and, and that definitely is the character on Automoto. I wanted it to be even more the character. I wanted to track it actually fully live. And that's what we're working towards now again for the next one, which is what I said after the last one, but like, I really do believe in that collaboration, you know, And that something magical happens out of it. And uh, I think those guys that you're talking about know that, you know, I think Neil and, and uh, D'Angelo are well aware of that, you know, and that takes time and it takes money. uh, In when you work on, on a scale like, like that, like Neil, you know, had had a ranch and you would make records over many, 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 many sessions, you know, it's, except of course that one specifically was recorded at a rehearsal space mm-hmm.
1: right. and it feels like it. like it has a, it has that live feel for sure yeah
2: I don't know if you know the yeah. story about how like they, they got two rooms at a rehearsal space and knocked down the wall between the two of them <laughs>
0: yeah that's awesome. yeah well and a completely different recording to uh, uh, I'm forgetting the album that's also part of the ditch sessions uh, uh, uh probably one of my favorite you new know, young beach, beach. Uh, the one on the beach. On the beach, right? Which is a completely chaotic recording experience that was absolutely insanity. Uh, so it's interesting, even that these three, uh, the ditch albums, have such different stories of even being recorded, right?
2: What's, what's the third of the ditch?
0: Um, let me think. So it's sorry, I have it in my notes here, which. We will edit this section out <laughs> of me trying to find the answer to this.
2: It's okay. Uh, I, think, uh, I mean, I've heard about. it. I've heard that those terms is. I wonder, does uh, does like, uh, time fades away? play Time fades away.
0: Time fades away on the beach and tonight's the night.
2: Yeah, and yeah. Do you know time, time fades, fades,
0: fades, fades away is the one fades? I forgot.
2: Do you know that record? Which one? You know, time fades away.
0: Yeah, I've heard it before for sure. I'm a bigger on the beach fan.
2: Because that record, like I remember I used to see it, um, it's in back in print, right? But after it ran out by the 70s, he never printed it on CD or reissued it in the 80s, 90s, or 2000s, right? Right. And and I would see it once in a while on vinyl, and I'm like, who needs another live Neil Young record? Not me. I never knew that it was live new songs. And in fact, the follow-up to Harvest. Yeah, that's right. If you're on the trip, the Neil Young trip, you're like, okay, wow, like you know, first record, eh. second one gets pretty good, third one's a classic, fourth is Harvest, and then, oh, this unreleased record, and I thought it was just a crappy live record, Um, but it ends up that it's new songs, and it's it was uh, out of print, and uh, it's got a cool story in it too. You know, it's like he's live, people were coming to see Harvest, and instead he's playing like the sort of like, you know. Uh, yet another stab at the basement tapes from Neil. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing. He's been just re-releasing all these for years. Right now, in the last like 10-15 years, has been okay. We'll release pretty much everything we can now and
2: make people sense. hear it. That's right? a great record. There's so many good songs on it. I actually bought it when I was in the woods. My neighbor had it. Oh, and was, okay. Oh, fuck. And he's like, "Oh, you can have it." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm gonna give you fifty bucks." I <laughs> had a few records there, and he's like, "You can just take them." And I was like, I'm going to give you 50 bucks for these three records with <laughs> that one. Just so,
0: I can, just so I can sleep tonight.
2: Yeah, I was like, these are like <laughs> records and I've never seen. I, I got that. I got trans. At a moment when it was hard to find those records on vinyl. Now it's pretty easy. And uh, he had, a, I want to see the bright lights tonight uh, by Richard and Linda Thompson, which I could have easily just made my list of records for you. Just been Richard Thompson records, Fairport Convention.
0: Yeah. Um I think our probably our final question. I'm going to make a really difficult one considering you couldn't pick a record. So out of these four records, you got one song, one, one song. song that
1: oh,
0: you you're like, yeah, that's that's a song. That's a that's a that's a killer song. That's
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh one per song, one per album.
0: No. All right, go ahead. Give us
2: one per album. Give us one no. per album then. All right. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm like you. I'd have to check my notes. Um, uh, Tonight's the night. Uh, I mean, open up your tired eyes. It's just, not, I like the cinema verite angle of what he's up to, you know. Uh, and I try to, that's what I'm trying to do too. You know, I always have and, uh, and uh, I'm still getting there. So a song like "Open Up Your Tired Eyes" does that too, right? For me, uh, and uh, you know, the D'Angelo record is pretty amazing, but I, for some reason, I can't think of anyone, any of the songs specifically
1: that would come to mind. I'll help you out because listening to it, (laughs) uh, well, it's funny. the 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 start of it reminds me of something you'd hear Parliament or Funkadelic uh, Mm -hmm. play, right?
2: yeah. It's, and then it, it's got a really loud, angry second song. Yeah. And then he takes it down yeah. and then he gets soulful.
1: Yeah. Man. But to me, I just kept coming back to Ain't That Easy, the first song, because that's I feel like I've seen enough Parliament uh live sets on YouTube and stuff where it always starts with this kind of entrance and then it's just a snare, snap, snap. And then they kind of go into this funky, awesome tune. And every time I heard this album and that first track, that was it.
0: Yeah, for me, I like the aggression of a thousand, uh, a thousand deaths. Mm. That, that to me is more hardcore than half the hardcore stuff out there. That is, that is super cool. Which one? Uh, a thousand deaths. The second song, the oh, super yeah. aggressive. I I love
2: them. the record has like a thick, a thick outer shell. Yeah. Right? it's almost like if you can't take these two songs, you're never going to get to the good ones. Right. Yeah, you're, you're too soft.
3: Dude, that's just an yeah.
2: I'm gonna go, I just instinctually went to song three, the charade. With Jesus, when I say Jesus, You know what's cool about this record is that like my kids love this record. They love this stuff.
1: That's wild because this well, I mean, this album's from like twenty fourteen. And one
2: of those eternal records,
1: you know what I mean? Right. And he like, hasn't uh, done anything since.
2: No, he's probably
0: recorded hundred songs. Yeah. yeah. I love and, the uh, fact that his greatest hits album, which was released just before well seven years before this or whatever, six years before this is called the best so far. And then he <laughs> takes like six years to release the next album, which is think <laughs> that just has record company written all over it, right? Oh, yeah. Like you're going to do more. So we'll release this and call it the best so far. <laughs> you know, you know, goes, um,
2: you know that the first Beatles greatest hits record, a uh, collection of Beatles uh, oldies, but goldies, right. You know, yeah. that one? Um, and that was put out because they were nervous about revolver. Uh, EMI was basically, eh, Revolver's too weird. We need to get a greatest hits package out for Christmas. Again, There's the, another, again
1: the yeah. label, the label, another story just not,
2: yeah, about a black and white album. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, and the label not getting it. Right. That's right. Not getting it at all. The label not getting it. And again, where is your reference that you're thinking the Beatles, who are the biggest band in the world, are telling you this is our latest, latest album? And you're thinking, you know, like, I think we know more yeah. than you. Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, weird. and what about the Land
0: of Del Rey record?
1: You know,
2: I haven't said about the specific song. Like the first song is pretty incredible, the land of Del Rey. I'd have to look at it because I don't have the list in front of me. And I'm sometimes I'm I'm very quick and other times I'm very slow. Is it Shades of Cool?
0: Yeah, Shades of Cool is great. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? I love Bollywood the stack of list the stack of records that i first sent you had a bunch of bollywood songs on the records on there and and i got into quite a few of them and there's lots of great ones and this is a classic bollywood sound
3: chorus
2: My favorite thing about this record, too. I don't know if you guys read about it at all about how they got together for like two days or three days to make. Yeah, it was
0: supposed to be, and then they ended up staying together for six weeks or something.
2: Yeah, or like maybe three, and it was like we're gonna do like a song for like three days, and then she just sat down and was like, I have more songs. This song, this song, this song. But they found a microphone in a thrift store, and that's the microphone she uses on the record. And I mean, to me, that's a really good lesson. And it's like, it gives the record a weird sound. It makes it lo fi, decidedly on un- going for it, you know?
0: Yeah, and, we just uh, talked to Kiwi Jr., and they talked about using a, a Casio keyboard on their record.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, so there's that, that, yeah, found, hey, let's just record with what we've got, right? Instead of, yeah, we need some brand new roads or whatever. You've got well, right? Casio's, not, Casio's, yeah, are, brand new. Casio's
2: are the best, right? Like, here's my Casio right here. There you go. Well, speaking right.
1: of Casio, and now this is a perfect segue to the last album, Kraftwerk. <laughs> I swear to God, one of the songs on on that album is that's the, that's the song that Casio uses as like the the basically you just press the button and a song starts on the Casio just to sell the keyboard to you. Like, hey, here's what it does, and it's I'm like that could be the Casio song right there. <laughs> This is
2: the best one. I, I, I love all the songs on here, but Airwaves is like. It's cool. Uh, I'm sure they felt this was a hit. I'm sure they were like. <laughs> and it's like everything that, you know, one of my favorite bands, Stereolab, you know, and uh, I don't know if you can hear what I'm listening to, but anyways, this song is just the best
0: yeah airwaves the- is great airwaves is a, airwaves was terrific when i heard it too yeah the whole record's amazing
1: well and this is just you know Kraftwerk. no matter what you think of them their influence on so many bands is set like even like starting with bowie but everyone up to these days like the industrial scene uh yeah you know uh, elect- electronic or- whatever it's all there everyone can go back to Kraftwerk. they've been the language, sampled yeah.
2: There's like a language there yeah. that they sort of like a vocabulary. It's funny too, because they were, they, they want, they love the Beatles, right? They love British blues. And then they were like, sort of felt like we need to come up with something new and we don't know how. So they just went to machines looking for something new. Yeah.
1: And like machine machines them. like MIDI was, was a 20 or 15 year dream away. Right. These wow, are know, guys with soldering irons, cables, soldering irons, tape. And yeah, let's make this music. <laughs> and they did it before anyone. Yeah.
2: I just love how concepty it is,
1: you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole Krautrock thing, right? Like, it, it's, yeah, it's just that vibe. And that's why it still has a following. It's huge, right? Like, Noi. Yeah. No, I almost
2: put that on the list. It's uh, the the Pink Noise seventy five is a black and white record too. I was like, okay, black and white records only. Yeah, <laughs>
1: on try to. pick it, the theme. Uh,
0: <laughs> I couldn't stop thinking about uh, what well, last year when we interviewed Stephen Ramsey from Light Conductor, and he picked Laurie Spiegel's uh, "The Expanding Universe," uh, which is like early, early experimental music being made by computers and whenever I hear this particular Kraftwerk record really reminded me of that to listen to those two together it was like man you know these two would have just love geeking out together about about this creation of this new style of music right it Just would have been so cool uh, Jose great good luck with the record uh, we are so super excited to hear it amazing
2: thanks guys for, uh, okay. for uh, talking and
1: having me on Thanks for no,
0: taking thanks the time for having us.
1: Thanks for taking the
2: time. And we
0: will and we will
2: promote the hell out of the record when it comes out. Uh oh, thanks man. Thank you so much.
0: So, uh, Dave, I guess we can start by talking about um, the legendary Canadian himself, Mr. Neil Young.
1: Yes, let's bring this all, let's tighten this up a little bit after, yeah. you know, let's... listening to Jose now wax ecstatic about a yeah. multitude of things.
0: Now we're going to get boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, so what What were your thoughts on, on tonight's night?
1: Well, my first thought was I now know where the sheepdogs stole their sound from. <laughs> totally, <laughs> s- totally, uh,
0: it, it is true. What was the song I said to you? It completely sounds like a sheepdog song. Uh, yeah, there was one of them in particular. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that's the sound of the sheepdogs." Completely. Um, Hang
1: on, I've got to check our.
0: T- <laughs> I'm looking right now. I'm looking back here too. Oh, uh, uh, come on, come baby, on, baby. Let's go down. Yeah, yeah, that 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 crazy horse number is completely. That's Completely it. It's that on, guitar sure. right
1: at the start. And I'm like, what the what the hell is going? <laughs> what year is this? And did he have guest bands?
0: Like, oh. Yeah. So,
1: so uh, I knew of this album, but it was one of the uh, a Neil Young album I never really checked out. Right. Um, so, you know, I recognized a couple songs, of course. But uh, listening to it all the way through uh, a few times, yeah, it's, a, it's Neil Young, man. What are you going to say? It, yeah. Uh, But, you know, the worst thing I could say is, yeah, that's where the sheepdogs stole their sound from. <laughs> so,
0: that, yeah, I, for me, it's, um, it's an interesting record in the fact that it, I, I feel it's a little, I, again, I think it's part of that three record collection that's all a little kind of out of sorts, right? Like, it's, it, it's, for me, a little disjointed, but I think that's the way he was wanting it, right? Mm, I mean, yeah. he, Even the fact that, I mean, there's three bands playing on this, right? He's got the Santa Monica Flyers making up most of the songs, but his live version of uh, Come On Baby, Let's Go Downtown is Crazy Horse, and then Look Out Joe is the Stray Gators. So, I mean, he's sort of, even the band he's got on it is, um, you know, is a bit disjointed, right, which I think, you know, I like. It's it's interesting for the record. Uh, It's just there's something... I'm kind of not used to. I mean, to hear a live song in the middle of an album—that's not a live record. Yeah, it's, no, it's but a lot me, right? That's—I awesome. mean, they yeah. used to do that. I mean, yeah. that well, that's it.
1: Yeah, and that's it. Like I, I you say that's odd. I'm like, mm, not really. A, a lot of the bands I listen to from the '70s, uh, some of the proggers, some of the metal bands and stuff, there would be a, a live track in there sometimes, just because. King Crimson were notorious for it because they ran out they would usually run out of time to record. And so we're like, well that live version sounded really good. Throw it on.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's what yeah. they do. And you know, ELP everybody had something rolling around that was oh, this was a, a live track that we just we just cleaned it up you know that sort of thing which was to me that's awesome It's there's a freedom there's a skill to that like this was Mm -hmm. that's not an easy thing to do back in the 70s uh, to make that sound like it's in the studio with maybe just a few back backing uh, applause or something like that
0: and I think your comment there freedom I think uh, I mean Jose talked about that in the Mm. interview but I think that's also for me this album it just sounds like a free album it sounds like it's it's him doing what he wants to do and sort of the hell with anything else. And I think that's what makes it uh, an enjoyable listen, right? To hear that all just kind of put out there. And again, I think, uh, I think you get the same kind of feel from the, the other albums of this time, you know, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's his uh, album on the beach too, which again Mm -hmm. kind of has that, that freedom to it of a guy just, Let's go into the studio, get incredibly stoned and high and 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 get a chaotic person behind the mixing board and see what happens. Uh I again I think it's a, interesting. We've talked before on the show that like that there's a certain freedom there that maybe we don't have as much in major record no. companies now, no. right? So I mean it's nice that. to see. On I know this.
1: I know at this point he's a few albums in. But, yeah. And yeah, he's had a he's had some hits, but they're looking for long, were they looking for longevity? I think, I feel at times the studio or the label was just kind of along for the ride for someone like Neil, right? You're just, yeah. you know, we, yeah, we hear they, they held it up and whatever, but in the end he's the artist. And at this time, the artists are gods and what they say go. So it's going to come out one way or another and right or wrong. And maybe this isn't a fan favorite, or is it a fan favorite? I guess it could, it is kind of a fan favorite. Yeah, but... I guess
0: it kind of is. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think, again, I think it's a, It's there's a lot of respect for it, right? Absolutely. And I think that's where it comes down to. Uh, it's an interesting time. I think 73 is one of those years that uh, when you look at what was on the top of the charts in 1973 <laughs> and stuff sure. like that, too, you, you see a time when uh, that sort of hippie sensibility of the late 60s is gone glam is starting to pop up a little bit um you know led zeppelin are now like cornerstones of the industry so you have hard rock kind of really making it a, a splash but you also right have there. like yeah and then you but you also have adult contemporary oh, rock yeah. coming and then you have like the really kind of light adult contemporary pop music that is huge at this time it's such a a weird era for music. Cause we often talk about how decades define those switches. I think for 1972, 73, that's that switch between, you know, the, the quote unquote authentic, you know, uh mm-hmm. hippie late sixties, authentic sound that, you know, it was epitomized with London or epitomized with San Francisco has now taken a backseat again to kind of that LA Overproduced sound—that's going to become. Yeah, but a lot you know, of it too. work stalwart for for nineteen, the mid nineteen seventies.
1: Yeah, right? a lot of it too is the bands have made that. The bands that made it in the sixties—who, the Kinks, the Floyd—they've transitioned. They're like, okay, the sounds change, but and they were experimental enough to realize it early on and and make those changes as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, there was some bands still trying to capture that sixties sound, right, or right. or whatever they thought would make a hit. And you know, yeah. in some cases, it works. But right. the bands that we still—I don't know any of those bands. I know, yeah, I know Pink Floyd. I know the Who. I know Led Zeppelin, and so forth, and on and on. Those bands that made that transition, and you listen to their '60s stuff, and you listen to their '70s stuff, and it could be two different bands.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: Who is right there, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it'd be, I've always made the argument though that all the good bands from the '60s. Uh, by about 74 75 they don't make anything that to me stands out as great after that like as much as i'm a who fan um you know i don't have much to say about who are you and as much as i'm a stones fan i don't have much to say about even something like some girls um you know i think a lot of those artists kind of you know you know Come back to the brass ring a little bit by the by the mm. mid seventies and start to kind of say, okay, well, we paid our dues and we're doing our thing and and move on a little bit. And then, and Neil Neil Young has always been one of those guys who, to me, has always said, no, always. Searching. I'm, gonna do my, I'm yeah. only gonna do my thing.
1: He's you always, know, I'm always, gonna, always Bowie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Always two different ways of doing it too. Bowie was always looking for the next sound, and Neil just had, I feel, and this isn't a, a dig against Bowie or anything like that. He was just a searcher he always was like what's yeah. what's that sound he was always two steps ahead of everyone and neil was just he just had these sounds in his head and he's like okay i gotta do this album now i gotta do this album where i do this and which is awesome. and i think
0: it's because he's such a music fan yep. that he's always listening to those right so all of a sudden he's like i want to do a country record uh wait a second i want to do uh, a 1950s-inspired album, yeah, right? So, so it always, yeah, do up and I'm going to change whatever, right? And even when you hear about, like, the early days of Buffalo Springfield, I mean, he was the, you know, he's the pain in the ass. He's the guy who's changing. Ah, I want to change this. I want to do this now. I want to leave the band. I want to, okay, maybe I'll come back to the band. Like, <laughs> you know, he kind of sounds like he must have just been a real... You know, in the nicest way. It paid in the ass to be in a, in a bed with, right? But everyone... What's your favorite? I,
1: I think everyone realized, like, fucking guy's a genius, so... Yeah. Sure, you're leaving? Okay. You're coming back? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're leaving well, again? Okay.
0: That, <laughs> that's exactly what happened, right? I mean, how many times did that happen? Did you have a favorite song?
1: Uh, listening to it over... um, It changed every time. I'm going to say, like as much as I made fun of it because of the sheepdog reference, I'm going to say, come on baby was uh one. I always look forward to hearing on the, yeah. the list. so, but tonight's the night was really good. Uh, Albuquerque, I thought was kind of cool. Oh, that's a good song. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll stick to come on baby.
0: Nice. Um, this album actually has one of my favorite Neil Young songs. Uh, I love Boro tune. Um,
1: mm. Oh I yeah, that song. Yeah. Uh, um, right. And I think the reason, said that.
0: I remember <laughs> years ago, uh, like when I first heard Mercury Rev, uh, and you know, I'm a big Mercury Rev fan, but I was like trying desperately to figure out his voice and how kind of annoying. And I'm talking like later in Mercury Rev and was like, why is his voice so high pitchy? It reminds me of someone. And then when I heard Boro Tune, I was like, that's it. Like, so there's, to me, there's a, like a little, like you, that's where you can see the Neil Young influence on um, people like Flaming Lips and Mercury Rev and their right. kind of sound. Not that not that grunge sound of the 90s. We know that they idolized them. But even those bands that weren't quote-unquote grungy, um, they, they embraced that high-pitchy voice and said, yeah, Neil can do it, we can do it. So when I hear Borough Tune, I always kind of think of those bands too, uh, but that that's one of my absolute favorites. Ice frozen
3: soon. the day.
1: next
0: let's talk about "Ultraviolence" by uh lana del rey you wrote uh,
1: you wrote nico case on the uh
0: i know because it reminded me of nico case ah, that wasn't okay. me yeah so i was saying it reminded me a lot of the nico case um we talked about i think we talked about this in the interview with jose uh how cinematic it feels to me like mm. this this record feels like it's a soundtrack to a you know, to a Lynch film. Uh it's which is exactly what we said about Nico Case. So I love that sound. Um I, I I did stumble across this great great quote from Kyle Anderson at Entertainment Weekly. Kubrick would have loved Del Rey, a highly stylized vixen who romanticizes fatalism to near pornographic levels, creating fantastic fantastically decadent moments of film noir melodrama. Mm-hmm. Gosh, if that doesn't sell <sighs> you one. <laughs> yeah. I'm wanting to listen to a record like that's yeah. just that's just great um yeah I, I thought it was a really uh I thought it was a really nice record I, I really do like this it's probably it's it's actually always been my favorite Lana Del Rey out so.
1: really that's interesting yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I never got into Lana Del Rey I uh I remember when uh she made that she hit the stage and there was all that blowback and blah 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 but you know she's held out, like basically what we talked about with Jose. It was like, you know, she did things her own way and she stuck to it. Yeah, and, for sure. You know, and is still and doing it
0: her own way.
1: Still, you know, and yeah. still out there and making uh, stuff. So this was a, a good listen. As soon as I put it on, I'm like, yeah, this is this is good, but but about the fifth or sixth song, I'm like, are we going to get a tempo change yeah. at all? Yeah. Are, are we going to yeah. pick this up here? And by the time I got to the end, I'm like, oh, okay, no, we're not.
0: So oh, we're not. So so that is her right. that
1: graded an hour and five minutes of that kind of that got, was a long
0: record it is a long yeah, record i'll give you that got
1: to me uh they could have like you know my sweet spot 30 to 35 to 45 minutes you've said so, that before so there's uh you know there's a few songs they could have dropped and done an ep with or something but um you know like the, like i say the first four or five songs are are enjoyable uh but I just couldn't I couldn't get it. It wasn't a Let's listen to that again. to yeah. me. Uh, right. There's some nice layers there, some really good production, of course. And uh so it was just uh yeah, if she made a an EP of probably up to West Coast, so the first 5 songs, yeah. I'd be down with that. That would that's my that's a good good EP to me.
0: Yeah, I, I just, would I would tend yeah. to agree part of the album is definitely yeah. for me a, a stronger stronger than the the back the back half of the record. Yeah.
1: So yeah, uh but everything Jose talked about and we brought up in the in the entire conversation is right here. This is like, okay, I get it. But yeah. t- t- a lot of respect. A lot of respect and to me hearing t- that and ge- and getting that information helped me ease into this album a little more. Uh but it's not Unfortunately, it's probably not one I'm going to go back to other than, like I say, Cruel World or Shades of Cool.
0: Yeah, you like uh, those tracks, then?
1: Yeah, uh, Shades of Cool. Uh,
0: actually,
1: yeah. I, I, actually, I think I, my favorite is Cruel World, but I, I feel that's a cheat being the first song. I hate having the first song as my favorite <laughs> song because it's like, oh, is that the only one you listen to then? You just put it on, listen to the first one and stop. Uh, so I liked Shades of Cool, but, I'll, but I really liked Cruel World
0: nice um for me i was always sort of between i i i, uh, I like the actual uh the track ultra violence ultra i violence, think that yeah. that's probably my favorite um although i do like brooklyn baby because it reminds me of camera obscura um it's got that sort of same uh great band from glasgow who i really like but uh i think ultra violence is still my favorite song of the
1: See? Record. Yeah, right in those first five songs too like yeah like
0: exactly they, right they could, yeah
1: a great album cover, too. I think that's just a oh, classic, like, look at me standing at my car, clearly yeah. really an older car, and it's just uh, with the parental advisory logo yeah. on the top left, where, where that just became, I still see that now and think ugh, people just use that as, a, as part of the artwork now, as yeah. opposed to this is, this is going to send your child to hell.
0: Well you remember you remember how controversial that was when it first came out, and now it's like every pop star has the the non edit the non radio friendly yes. version, right? And so it's like to drop an F on with a pop song now means nothing. Oh yeah.
1: You go right? you, you go on the on the on the streaming services and like like Cruel World has explicit right next to it. Brooklyn yeah. baby, explicit. Yeah. It's like that's it's Okay. The kids were savvy <laughs> enough. The artists were savvy enough in the early days, it's like, wow, this is a badge of honor.
0: Yeah, not, that's uh, right.
1: That's just the kids are going to look for it. Yeah, slap that sticker on my album.
0: <laughs> so, I think probably, I, I mean, it's safe to say from my standpoint, uh, I knew D'Angelo, but I didn't know much about this next album that we're going to be talking about, which is uh, D'Angelo's Black Messiah, um, released in um, 2014. Uh, reading about it was really interesting. I mean, this was a guy who was at the top of his game. Um, when he he goes out uh and then just doesn't make something for fourteen years, other than the greatest hits album, that I think was released about halfway through that um but I mean he's at the top of the world, he is a sex symbol, everyone loves him, and he just is like that's not what this is about, and he takes fourteen years to chill, which I think is such a gutsy a gutsy gutsy thing to do, yeah and then this album uh i really enjoyed it (laughs) i really enjoyed listening to it because again i think for me it was completely fresh i didn't i i didn't know this album. i and maybe i sound foolish to d'angelo fans or people listening but i didn't know this record and i really enjoyed hearing it
1: um i'm gonna say yeah i listened to it it's the production is cool uh i didn't recognize again. Apologies to any D'Angelo fan or D'Angelo himself. I didn't recognize any of the songs.
0: Did you? Yeah, I didn't either. No. I didn't either.
1: So uh, do we know how well this album did? Like,
0: Yeah, I don't think it was a massive seller, but I think it was enough for, I think it was kind of critically acclaimed from what I remember mm. reading. Um, and you know what? I mentioned this when we did our episode on Erica Badu, that D'Angelo is one of those guys like Erica Badu that when I hear his voice on the radio, I turn it up and go, oh, this is great. Who is this? And then they say D'Angelo and I go, Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys whose voice I really like. I like his playing, but this album to me just sounds really quite different. I mean, there's a funkiness on this record that isn't on his other records. For
1: yeah. Me. I'm going to say as soon as the like, ain't that easy starts. I had vision. Like I mentioned it to Jose, uh, mm-hmm. visions of parliament, fucking It was just, here's the party's about to start on stage. And yeah. You know, you just hear that snap, snap of the snare, and away we go. And it's. Uh, and
0: you're going to get that from Quest Love and Pino you know, Palladino, right? Oh, I mean, you've yeah. got the big, maybe the best rhythm section playing in the world right now, right there beside each other. You're going to get that sound for the rest of the record, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. So yeah. It, it was definitely. Uh, I'm like, ah, I was in. But again, by about halfway through, I was like, uh, okay. How much longer of this Yeah, And well let's just start over again So I listened to it a couple times And just appreciated that first Those first five or six songs I'll always say anytime I see Part one at the end of a, of a Song title I'm like That's intriguing
0: Well we had that with Tonight Tonight too right They have exactly. a part, part one and a part two Exactly, of Tonight Tonight. Yep. exactly.
1: Yep. So it's like ooh Back to the Future part one Tell me more Getting a little uh, proggy
0: <laughs> yeah i um i enjoy it. i think uh, the other thing i liked is the uh uh Q- q-tip shows up on this doing uh he, he's written some of the lyrics on it like i said pino paladino plays bass on sugar daddy um like yeah that's just I, I thought the playing was great uh i couldn't get enough of a thousand deaths so i thought it was oh yeah aggressive and i, I like yeah i like that a lot yeah. and you know to me it reminded me of the the Prince catalog that no one talks about, right? Like no one talks about, like you the know, black album, sexy MF, and like yeah, yeah. that, like funky stuff that he did, right? Like it reminded me of that too at points, uh, which again I think goes with the Sly and the Family Stone, yep. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah, so I enjoyed I enjoyed that element of it for sure.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed the live element. Th- this had a live feel as opposed to beats. You know, the beats are there, yes, but it, yeah, 100 percent, felt way more live than and, and felt alive like ah yeah that's why i say you know you say a thousand deaths is probably your favorite song on the track. i'm, I'm gonna say ain't that easy that's the party is starting and it feels yeah. like a, yep. a live show is, is just underway and away we go and it gets you into that and it gets you jumping and and it's uh it's just funky and yeah so a couple like just that that live feel is what i really enjoyed of it, it just oh. couldn't couldn't carry me the whole way through there just nothing was jumping out at me on uh, a few multiple listens so i just kind of listened to the first few songs over and over again
0: so it is it is worth noting like to, like take a look at the uh, the people on this record mm. shows you the amount of respect that this guy had uh because there is some like massive names on this record uh you know uh, roy hargrove is a you know an American jazz elite, uh, trumpet player. Um, but I mean, the one that really kind of shot out at me a little bit when I saw it, like I said, was Pino Palladino, but you also have people like, uh, where is he? Uh, sorry. Give me a second. Uh, James Gadsden, uh, James Ganson was on like Marvin Gaye records in the 70s. Like he, he's a beast. So that uh, just shows you like the respect that people have for D'Angelo, that this guy disappears for 14 years and says, yeah. and then they come back and go, and, what do you need?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And anytime I see someone, you know, D'Angelo's name is not just on the album cover. He's producer. He writes the yeah. songs yeah uh he plays bass he plays synthesizer he's just he's all over this he's thing. all over
0: the record he's, he's all over doing this
1: background record. vocals like organ piano that's Which that's awesome see, that's what you want
0: yeah and you can see that's why jose probably likes this right like this is the type like Al- jose talks in this interview about how he could have just put together an album with a bunch of friends and yep. done it but he needed the band like that's what this sounds like. Hey, I can go and just put together an amazing record and do it myself, and and with all these amazing artists and friends of mine joining me.
1: Okay, last but not least, Tom. Um,
0: oh, I I wouldn't say the least at all because this might have been my favorite record of the four. Ah, uh, yeah, I maybe, said but not least. Maybe. I
1: said but not. It least. is
0: you did say but not least because <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed this listen. So um, yeah, our fourth record from uh the German uh. A wonderkin. What would you have called? What the? What the how can we possibly explain craftwork or or say what craftwork is that hasn't been said a million times? Right there, yep. You know, arguably one of the most important bands to ever exist. Yep. Certainly to modern music. Um. And I love the fact that he didn't pick their quote unquote biggest album. Right. He picks picks the album afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So uh yeah. What were your thoughts on Radioactivity?
1: Radioactivity. Well, as soon as I. I like me some craft work. So, uh this album is not one I've given a lot of time to, so it was nice mm-hmm. to revisit. And it's just it's just you know, as much as I say the like the last two, the Lana Del Rey and I'm like where it just didn't grab me all the way through. The, a, a lot of this album is the same all the way through there's it's yeah it, no, it is 100%. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty sure Casio, the keyboard company stole one of these songs <laughs> and put it on there like oh yeah, the, you know when you press the button and it, and a song just plays. I'm pretty sure it's one of these songs. <laughs> uh but it just it's just fascinating to me that oh, yeah. a band was doing this in 1974 with computers and synths like and just, they looked at it like an experiment to them as opposed to, oh, we got to cut a new album. The last one was, oh, wow, that was yeah. a hit. We got to do, got to up that, guys. They'd say it in German, of course. but Of course. Uh, so Kraft. Although
0: this album is in German and English. Yes. Fully in German and English, right? It's their first bilingual album.
1: Yeah, it's because they don't give a fuck. <laughs> um but no every it's just super cool and you can hear the the influence so there's the influence of what like jose said it's just like we don't give a fuck this is what we got to do this is this is what we have mm-hmm. to make right yeah. now this is this is where we're at and i hear that influence in bands that have been influenced by this band so i hear that right, in depeche right. mode i hear that in 9 inch nails uh you know placebo all those bands. There's just Nitsurab, um, Same thing. It's it's just this. No, this is the music we have to make right now. Sorry, record label. This yeah, is Yeah. Well,
0: I, and again, I think it's an, an intriguing thing that we're we're talking about a very similar time, like two years later from that Neil Young record, where this album has virtually no melodic sense to it like when you're (laughs) listening to it there's no melodies there's no
1: and that's why i texted you and went "Ooh, you must be hating this album
0: (laughs) i do like a good melody and harmony but i also like that ambient thing right and that's where i think i tapped into it because to me this is more of an ambient album um i mean other than maybe radioactivity uh the song uh, there's that, uh, that snappy chorus, right? I think there's something yep. melodic there, but generally speaking, I think it's a it's an album that's really just playing with the idea of sound, uh, which I thought is just similar. Yeah, to... again, you you yeah. have a hit, you have a hit, and then you say, "Let's just do an experimental album where we play with sounds, sounds that we hear on the radio." Yeah,
1: and you know, you...
0: radio frequencies. Yeah, I'm that gonna... sounds like a great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's it. I think that's <laughs> it exactly because they're just they're just picking up what someone like the engineer John Cale with his sound experiments did and that influenced the Beatles. Yeah. To do their crazy right. loop uh, loop tapes and sound experiments on their later albums too, right? Like yep. this is just I would say this is just them picking up on what that those artists did and making a full album out of it.
0: yeah agreed
1: uh, and just in germany in in 1970s germany there was just that appetite for anything different anything that was not cookie cutter commercial anything that was not american too right yeah and that just and that just made its way over here
0: yeah well and and i've seen other bands like uh, people in the early 2000s might remember a great canadian band called the russian futurists yeah and those guys showed up with four keyboards and just stood on the stage and it was just like and I remember thinking, Well, I don't think I'm gonna like this and then all of a sudden by the end of the night I was like, That was a great show. You're you lucky I, I mean? wasn't
1: you're lucky I wasn't with you. I'd be like, we're staying. <laughs> <laughs> we're not leaving.
0: Well, and I just talked to you last week. I mean there was a show in your hometown, you know, that was all just in praise of Synthesizer, right? Like I switched on I, mean, the, at I think Tag. this is all the influence of someone like uh, like Kraftwerk, right? Yeah. The influence that those guys had was just astronomical.
1: And st- yeah, still being felt. I can't say that enough. It's, it's, uh, they're still out there still, people are still going back. It's like a, it's like a mouthwash or, uh, or an enema. It's just a <laughs> cleansing. Like if you're, depending on what you've been listening to, you just need, ugh, I just need yeah. something different and Kraftwerk will fit that bill. Like I'm
0: going to say I probably enjoyed this more than an anima. Than an enema? Than an enema. Um, <laughs> You know I like quotes Animas? about albums. Uh, <laughs> the British painter uh, David Hockney, I was reading uh, just on Wikipedia, and like not any serious reading here, but that people who understand music understand silence, and the LP is full of moments when the music drifts to almost nothing or is slowed so that the spaces between the beats are exaggerated radioactivity is sonically muted at times fragile and beautiful. Like that's one of those quotes that again, you read it and you go, I got to go listen to that album just based on that quote. And yeah, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this record. I've listened to it quite a few times since, uh, since our interview. Yeah.
1: I'm going to say too, one of my last points is, is I'm always talking about, Oh, I love the layers. It was very tons of layers. There's stuff going on there. You don't hear the first, second, third, listen, no, you're hearing it all on your yeah, first listen. Yeah. It's yeah, not, there's, layered. Not layers, there's sure. just, it's just, there's enough going on that you're like, what is this? Yeah. And you got to throw yourself back. This is 1974 and these guys are doing this and this is not easy. You can do this on a laptop in school, uh, you know, in the school hallway these days, but Yeah, this was revolutionary and revolutionary. Yeah. And, uh, Still holds its own. I right?
0: I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I really enjoyed it. My but favorite it. track. Yep. Yeah, go
1: for it. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a toss up between Radioactivity or Radio Land. Oh, okay. So
0: nice. I think you so said
1: Radioactivity. Maybe. Oh.
0: No, no. My favorite's Airwaves. Uh,
1: okay. So I'll go with yeah. Radioactivity.
0: Nice. Yeah, I really like Airwaves. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that was one. My first. Heard. I was like, what is this? <laughs> Just immediately, it's back to it. Wani for letting us use his song In My Heart as our theme song and thanks to Jose Canterra's Abide Ryan Fine Wright for joining us this week. Remember to go and catch them live or uh, definitely go and grab their double album Auto Motto, which is out now and most importantly thanks to you for listening to the sound effect. If you enjoyed today's show please share it on social media and let us know what you think of our show and remember there's always a great record out there just waiting to be discovered. Or four so, of them. Or four of them in this case, that's right. So, keep listening.